Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest is somebody so interesting and his topics are so really extensive and fascinating that I'm gonna introduce Michael Shevak, who's an author and also just as kind of a side fascinating piece of information here. You were the one who came up with the Gillette ad of many years ago, right? Yes, I am. And you know, it's funny because advertising like like so many things gets into kind of our collective subconscious. Yeah, Gillette, the best a man can get. I mean, everywhere I go in the world, I'm there. It's very strange. You know, I, okay, we'll talk about whether it's strange or not, or is it a normal kind of a reaction that we as a culture or human beings need to have something kind of stable? Hmm. That lasts forever, you know, that just sits in there. It's, it's, you know, I'm just amazed at something that just kind of floated up in my mind. Oh, yes. Came kind of iconic. Yes. And, and in a couple of years, uh, about a year and a half ago, they, the Gillette company took on the Me Too issue with the, uh, with the abuse of women. Uh-huh. And they began to use the Gillette commercial as a vehicle by which they would address that, meaning this is the correct behavior for men. So it was such an amazing thing to see this iconic campaign be continuing to be evolve and, and do good and evolve what what is defining the best a man can get it was really an amazing thing and i the newspapers called me to get my comment on it what was it, was, it? I, I just thought it was a fascinating turn of events i never would have imagined it okay so it is a fascinating turn of events and in that in that iconic which people use a lot can we just talk about, because we kind of have to zero in on one thing, can we talk about, um, yes, the Yellow Brick Road? Sure. And would, would you talk about what you do in this particular book, in The Wizard of Oz? Because you say we'll never see the characters the same. No, uh, this is a book that has, it, it captivated me as a child. Oh, that's, I was gonna ask you that, okay. And it was speaking to me continuously. It was always telling me something. It was, I knew it was, it was egging me on to look deeper below the surface of it, even when I was in, in, in fourth grade and I first saw the movie. And over the years, I was fascinated by the Oz books. You know, it's a great all-American fairy tale, you know, and, um, and year after year, as I grew as a human being, you know, the story began to unveil its mystery. It what was the first thing? What was the first thing that struck you mysterious about it? And were you terrified of the flying monkeys? No, I, well, the flying monkeys were terrifying. But one of the things that fascinated me was when I learned in interreligious studies that the flying monkeys were a Buddhist and a Hindu god named Hanuman, really? who was considered a trickster. And I was just so fascinated that L. Frank Baum had this Buddhist deity in the middle of it. And I was wondering whether or not he knew it or whether he had just invented the flying monkeys or whether he's, um, shall we say, a reincarnation and had a little Buddhist in him. I didn't know and I was, didn't find any evidence. Oh, I was gonna ask, so that would be no, hard to fit. I didn't find any evidence that he was aware of the, the Hindu and the Buddhist connection to the flying monkeys. So how, how do you see that yellow brick road and traveling? I mean, I'd like to, can I just ask you to start from the beginning with Dorothy and the, and the cyclone, the tornado and her ending up in 
Uh, just you talk about the whole thing. Yeah, well, look, it suddenly hit me. And, you know, the introduction to the book explains it, it suddenly hit me and the, it opened up like scripture. The book opened up like scripture to me and it began to speak to me and I understood it. And then I realized, I realized that we're all Dorothy. Okay. We are all, you know, Dorothy, the name Dorothy comes from the Greek, which means a gift from God. We're all a spirit. We're all a soul. And all of us have had the experience, especially when we're teenagers, by the way, of tearing away from our Auntie M and our Uncle Henry and needing to get our own sense of identity. Okay. And that's exactly what Dorothy does. And she does it with a tremendous amount of guilt, as we all know, when she ran into Professor Marvel and he, you know, he was a, you know, a sham psychic and he finds the picture in her purse and it and he says oh you know someone is is hurting someone's feeling pain and and dorothy gets that first attack of guilt which happens to us all when we need to claim our individuality how does she show that she felt guilty well she she just ran immediately back into the cycle oh i see okay and that happened to us all when we separate from Kansas, the blacks and the whites and the do's and the don'ts and the order of our family structure and our society in order to open up to spiritual awareness, the Oz consciousness, there is always some kind of rebound, some kind of guilt, some kind of rebound. And because we are tearing away from a piece of ourselves mm. in order to create a new side of ourselves. And then just like in the story, Dorothy rebounds comes back and all of that guilt goes subconscious. And before you know it, she has a, a cyclone and it takes her even higher than she was before in order to get away. That's how close she gets. It takes her over the rainbow somewhere. Yeah. Oh my and so, you know, but we are all like that. I mean, if, for instance, if you're a Christian and you are reading Christian scripture, this is the story of the prodigal son who tears uh -huh. away his father and he goes off on quite an adventure. Yeah. You know, and only to go, there's no place like home at the end. Uh -huh. So the story is, is really archetypal. It talks about the individuality of a person going from a mere material being to awakening to individuality and their spirituality. And what's lovely about the story is that it simplifies all of the psychology and all of the spiritual steps and gives you a simple, simple, simple understanding for how to understand life on earth. On the okay, so, so could I ask you a couple of questions like bit by bit, because I'm so, I'm so grabbed by this, what you've done in this whole concept. And I think of, you know, myself and everybody, I mean, I, I shouldn't say everybody, you can't ever say everybody, but the, the people, by and large in America, and I guess worldwide, are we're part of that yellow brick road. We are so familiar. We took that journey with her. And would you, would you start with, before she hits the yellow brick road, what do you make of the munchkins? Well, look, this is something that you'll see. The munchkins are fascinating because um, this, the munchkins form, for instance, the, the basis of the teaching in adult alcoholics, all right, um, in, in ACA, adult children of alcoholics, or in 12-step in programs, 
or any of those psychological, spiritually based could you, programs. Could you explain that a little more? Why it- all have an inner child. Oh. They've all been through difficulties with parents who are really children themselves and didn't know that they were still acting out on the playground, even though they had children of their own. And we all have these little wounds where our creativity and some of our self-expression gets pushed down and you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't paint the sky purple. You know, the sky is not purple. The sky okay, is- so, then, so, so then Linda walks in, appears in that beautiful bubble. What do we well, say about her? Well, first Dorothy is now open to her own creativity Okay. Own inner child. She can express it. She has killed the witch of contraction, meaning the witch that's trying to keep her into Kansas. Okay. Okay, but but she hasn't actually killed the witch yet. Killed the first witch. Okay, that's okay. The house falls on it. That's the witch holding her back into Kansas. Okay. And you can't leave Kansas. You can't leave Kansas. That's the witch that looks like Elvira Gulch who is trying to take to- totem, totem, to- Dorothy's totem animal, totem. Oh, Toto, yes, of course. Her spirit and her life force and put it in a bicycle seat basket and, you know, take it to be destroyed, destroyed. Right. But now she killed the witch of contraction. I, I think the very phrase, you and your little dog too, is just part of our conversation, isn't it? You want to hear it? Would you like to hear it? Yeah. I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Yep, that's it. But what happens is she kills the contraction that's holding her back to Kansas. Mm-hmm. But as Glinda to your question says, the next witch is even harder to deal with because you have your freedom. You're going to begin to expand as a, a, you'll connect to your inner child as a munchkin. But the freedom is terrifying. And the entire path of the yellow brick road, guided by the goodness of, of her fairy godmother, Glinda, who's always protecting, mm-hmm. you know, protecting her, she has to learn to negotiate her freedom as Dorothy, not as the niece of Auntie Anne. And that is the hard part for all of us. You know, freedom, as one of my students, uh, Colin Kurtz says, freedom has a tyranny to it. You have to. You can, see, you can see, I mean, I'm picturing it now as she's going down that yellow brick road and picking up the strength of the, the lion and the tin man and the, you know, her, her cohorts on her way. But yes, it is fraught with, and I never thought about this before, so I say thank you. It was fraught with like joy and adventure and terror. Terror. Because that's what we all face. That's why we stay in the Kansas, by the way, with apologies to that fair state. (laughs) Yes. That's why we stay in the black and the white and we don't get to the colorful because it's safe and we don't have to face our fears of expansion. Well, now what about, what about her finding what each of them need? You know, the tin, the, the, the lion, um, the lion needs courage and the, they each need something. One needs a heart and one needs, in order for her to master the freedom that she def- defied Kansas to get, she must master three aspects of herself. One, oh. she must come to look and say, you know, I do have a mind. I can think for myself. And she has to stop picking at herself like the crows were picking at the scarecrow. 
And she has to be able to say, I do have a mind. I can think for myself. I can direct my own life. I don't have to be controlled by Auntie M. I don't have to be controlled by the pigsty in Kansas. I can set out on my own. So she has to forgive the side of herself that is like the scarecrow, meaning you don't have a brain. And she has to also forgive the side of herself that says you're heartless because you tore away from your family in oh, order to- Oh, that's what the heart's about? Yes, and because, because she has to tear away and she has to take the love that she had for Auntie Em and Uncle Henry and she has to put herself first. So she faults herself for not loving and she doesn't forgive herself. And that carries throughout the whole movie, even when she winds up in the haunted, in the, in the haunted uh, castle of the witch. She's still not forgiving herself for hurting Auntie M. And of course, well, do you know anyone, Janet, who has not faulted themselves for not taking an opportunity or not doing such a thing, uh, not marrying this person or well, marrying this person? No, I think you're right. I mean, we've, all, we've all had moments where we have faulted ourselves for something that makes sense. Right. And so we have to also, we realize that we have missed many opportunities because we weren't brave enough to change yeah. the status quo of uh -huh. Kansas state of mind and take that leap to Oz, where we have to believe there's somewhere over the rainbow in order yeah. to accomplish new things. May we leap to Oz? We need to. No, no. I mean, just in your telling of this, can we, because I have questions about the wizard and I hate to be, you know, we're limited by time and I know we're just going to be able to get a flavor here, but everyone can go out and buy your book. Well, that's, that's the purpose of, of this right. kind of publicity. So would you please say the name of your book? Soul Lessons from the Wizard of Oz, S-O-U-L, we're not talking shoes, Soul Lesson from the Wizard of Oz, How to Follow Your Yellow Brick Road. Go to Amazon, it's easy. Go to Oz Soul Lessons, O-Z-S-O-U-L, okay. lessons.com. I don't Go want us to forget to do this. Okay, let's, talk, let's talk about the wizard because one of my, my favorite lines from that movie from the first time I saw it when I was a little girl was when she told him that he was a very uh, first of all rips open the curtain to expose him right what do you say about that well first she didn't do it right and the beauty is her spirit her feisty little Toto that never stops yapping through the movie oh that's and right no, can't even imprison in the bicycle seat basket of Elvira Gulch who never, ever stops, never, ever stops his spirit. He's the one who pulls the curtain. I forgot that. Okay. So pulls it. Very highly significant. Yes. Yes. Because Dorothy has to now discover her spirit and realize it's not the wizard. You well, know, okay. I, so that's, that, that was my, I'm getting overexcited here, but the point is that, and she accuses him of being a very terrible person. Very bad man. A very bad man. He and he said, says, I'm a very- Not a bad man. I am just a very a bad, bad man. wizard. And I just thought that was, that alone was worth the price of the ticket and something we needed to learn when we were four years old. Yes. And that's something we all need to learn in life because we tend to, right now, especially in our country, we're tending towards an opinionocracy where everyone is pretending to be a wizard. Opinionocracy. <laughs> I like that. Yes. And, and actually, if you have lived, I need, we need Toto to pull yes. the curtain away and say, these are not wizards. These are, these are human beings 
who are flawed and have flawed opinions because they're human beings. And, and no you mentioned, and you mentioned before, seeing parents like that. You know, they're also just children. Well, that's we come to believe yeah. that we set up our parents as some maybe because they're taller as some kind of god or i know that helps but they feed us and we do the same thing with politicians we do it with stars in hollywood we do it with authors please don't do that to me my right. wife will be the first person to tell you i put yeah. my pants on we, we i we i um idolize people i mean that's what it really means we make them and, into and when we do that we give our power away yes okay i have a you know i am about love letters Sure. And listening to this, I mean, my question is always at about this point, who gets your love letter today? But I have a slightly different question, unless you care to tell me who might get yours. Has Have people written to Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man? I mean, I think they each, des and Toto, don't they don't deserve know, a letter? I don't know if they ever formalized the letters, but I will tell you something. Yes. People would actually talk in their own minds to the scarecrow about where their minds were not right. And they would use the scarecrow as a meditation tool, like a saint. Well, let me ask you something. If we, if we wanted to write a love letter to Dorothy or Glinda or, you know, the Wicked Witch, one or two, where would we send it? I think we would have to send it after clicking our heels three times together. But is there, a, is there an archive someplace? Is there a someplace? I, I like letters to really get someplace. I don't know. I have no idea. There is a museum of Oz in Kansas. Okay, well then that's where we could send them. That would be a fascinating thing to do and I'm sure they get plenty of, of mail, but there okay. is. I may, yeah. I may write one. Yeah. Museum of Oz. And you and, know, I, I invoke Linda a lot because I hear people say, and I'm sure you do, maybe even more than I do, you know, I. People say it all the time. Oh, I just wish I had a magic wand. And well, I know who and I know who they're thinking of. And I say, you know what? You do have one. It's the pen with which you write the letters. You've got a magic wand as good as Linda's. And it's interesting because when I am doing counseling, which I do, and they come to me with a problem, the first thing I do is I give them, I, I actually have a little Harry Potter wand that I purchased. Oh, good. I give them the wand. And I say, okay, you don't have to worry about your parents. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about anything. Now, wave the wand and tell me what you want. Well, I have to tell you, nine times out of 10, when you remove all of these imaginary things, all the wicked witches that are cackling in your head and that you can't get home, get a cackling, 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 and you remove that, it's amazing how everyone knows exactly what they want to do with their lives. Not surprising, huh? They need Glinda's wand to come in and yeah. silence the scarecrow that doesn't think he has a mind, silence the tin man who doesn't think he has a heart, and silence the cowardly lion that doesn't think they have a will. And it is amazing. And the only other answer I get is, gee, I really honestly don't know yet, in which case we use the magic wand again. But do they say yet? I don't know yet. Yet. Okay. Yeah, it's important because then the magic wand could be okay. Wave a magic wand and tell me the first step to figuring out what you don't know. And I have I have one little story to tell you. Happens. There's there's a man in San Francisco. I learned about him when I first started doing this love letters as a radio talk show, what 15 years, long time ago. And he was just absolutely in love 
with the actress who played the Wicked Witch. Margaret Hamilton. That's right. And he used to write her love letters. I guess, you know, you could send him to the studio and they would forward them. And <clears throat> he would write letters to her about how much, I mean, talk about someone who speaks to you, this witch really, they became friends. They sure. became friends. And she wasn't getting love letters from anybody except this kid. And she ended up sending him a great deal of memorabilia that she had for, from, from the, I mean, the, the, power, the power of letters. And I tell you something, a very ironic thing, because I've been entranced by the book, and that's the correct word. I, you know, in my earlier life as an advertising guy, a madman, I one of my gigs was I managed the Maxwell House coffee account. Good to the very last drop. The very last drop. And guess who was the spokesperson for the Maxwell House brand at that time? It was Margaret Hamilton. Was it? Okay. I don't remember that, but I remember good to the last drop. And I remember my father saying, well, what's wrong with the last drop? I know. Yeah. Yeah, that was a Teddy Roosevelt line. He was. <laughs> uh, the, the, I'll tell you the power of advertising and the power of a book such as this are very akin, you know, well, it's human beings have the most marvelous ability to express their heart and their love in concept form. Yes. And so, we're also, I think, very grateful when something does it for us, when something speaks for us. Exactly. And so the book is a tool. The, a commercial can be a tool. Just uh -huh. like the, you, the number of people who were inspired by that great Coca-Cola advertisement about bringing peace to the world. Oh, I, that was my favorite song. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and yeah. Right. So, Three-part harmony, I know, I'm just- Right, these are all tools. Today, we're using all of these tools to uh -huh. divide people and cause friction. But these same tools, they can be used to create, turn the whole world into a love letter, wouldn't that I be- I know right? that, oh, God bless you. Okay, at, at that moment, that's just a beautiful sentence to end on, thank you. I wanna thank you for doing this with me. Do you well, wanna, if you, if you wanna come back someday and talk about Mad Men, I, I will come back and talk about anything that helps bring this world closer. Mad Men. To Oz. Okay. May I call, that, I'll call you and invite you again. And include Mad Men, of course. Thank you. Oh, you're just marvelous. <laughs> Thank right? you so Thank much. You so much. And to everyone out there, don't stop until you get to Oz and realize how perfect everything is, even the parts of it in your life that aren't working. They're all gifts. And even yeah. your wicked witch is your friend if you see her for good as a teacher. Thank you. All good and you will get home. You will get home, cook oh. your together. Okay, just a word about getting home. So she did get home. Of course. And was able to live there and see everything more clearly. Of course, her eyes had now become spiritual eyes. Okay, spiritual she, eyes. She was no longer fighting the wicked witch in her. She was not fighting the dumb scarecrow. She wasn't okay. fighting her heartlessness to rebel. She wasn't fearing and staying where she was. She, all her faculties were now united in her and she was a complete gift from God named Dorothy. Thank and you. Course, she could be home and it was all- This, no is, this is so, not just enlightening, but so um, cheering. Yes. It's and every year they play the movie and now with videos, we can see it more than once a year. Yeah, I know that and once a year used to be a big, yes. 
yes. big event. And yes. every single time that movie will speak to everyone's soul and be help, helping them in life if they pay attention to the message. That is right. Thank you, dear. There's no I'll place. Talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. Bye. Bye.